Welcome back to a brand new Neverland case file. We have done a lot of serial killers lately on this podcast, but it's time to dive into another cult. The last cult that we dove into brought us straight to Canada, and this one is going to... It's going to take us out of the country by the end of it. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, you will by the end of this. We are diving straight into Jonestown. Ah yes, Jonestown. If you've ever heard the term drink the Kool-Aid, this is where that comes from. Jones was a tormented soul and thought the world was after him by the end of the cult's life. So things did not go warmly at all. It was not the kind of Thanksgiving dinner you would want to attend. So open up your case files and pass me the Kool-Aid and let's dive on in. I want to start off by talking about Jim Jones' early life. He was born on May 13, 1931. His parents lived on disability payments because of his father, who was a victim of mustard gas from the Great War. His mother was an independent woman who eventually followed Jim into Jonestown in Guyana. His parents pretty much left Jim on his own growing up. Most of the stories that we get from that time are from people that spent time around him or from what he told his congregation. He often preached to the kids at school in his treehouse and told stories about the Bible. He trained birds to send letters to his friends and often asked how his classmates, how far his classmates would go for him. By high school, one student said they remembered Jim as a at a pep rally before a basketball game. Jim decided to stage an elaborate funeral for the other school. He got up and started preaching and did an incredible job. He had the control and influence. It was like the real thing, but was intended to be a joke. He had the coal black hair and piercing eyes that would look right through you. That was when one student said, even before knowing what the cult's outcome was going to be. When he graduated from high school, he had an interest and aptitude for medicine. He started working as a hospital orderly, and that's where he met his wife, Marceline Baldwin, and he married her in 1949. He tried to work as a student pastor for a Methodist church, but decided to start the People's Temple in 1956. And Jim was ordained in 1964. Now that we know his about his parents and early life of the People's Temple, let's dive into his rainbow family. A huge source of Jim's unhappiness was with the mainstream churches and segregation within them. Having grown up an outsider himself, he felt he had things in common with the poor and non-white society, even though he knew nothing about what they went through. He preached, um, 
He preached racial equality and made his own family reflect that. Jim and his wife adopted a part Native American child, three Korean children, and in 1961 adopted a black child and named him James Warren Warren Jones Jr. They did have one biological child and adopted a white child. Jim from The white child was a child named Tim and was a mother of one of the other members of the People's Temple. He actually comes into the story later, but I'm not going to go go into big detail about that. Jim had the perfect rainbow family. For a short time, because of his rainbow family, Jim actually did some good with his family. The People's Temple designated movie theaters, restaurants, telephone companies, hospitals, and even the city police department. The temple ran a free restaurant and homes for the elderly and mentally ill. There was a lot of good that Jim actually did for his community. I think if he wouldn't have gotten to his head so much, maybe he could have also done some real good. But we all know how this story ends. I believe myself, if it wasn't for Jim's losing his mind, he could have done so many things to help the world. Jim's cult is different from the others we have talked about in a few ways. Jim was a deeply disturbed man and very cold and dark, but he also started by doing goods. Now, when people started to leave him is when he got a bit crazy. He would have these seizure episodes where he would fall on the ground and start having a seizure until the followers said they would stay. He would also fake healings. He would place his followers into crowds and have them fake a heart attack or illness or sometimes death. Jim Jones would be the one to get them back. He would bring them back from the dead, have them be miraculously healed and able to walk again, and so much more. He pulled such elaborate lengths to get these people to follow him and gain more followers that many people already started to see him lose his mind in the short run. It was when they moved out of America into Guyana that things took a dark and dangerous turn. First, it should be stated that when people were building their homes, very small things that would almost happen would be like a saving blessings from Jim. A branch would fall near someone and they would say, thank Jim that didn't follow me. Jim Jones must have been protecting me. A building would come down right after people walked out Thank Jim it didn't fall down while I was still inside. He must be watching over us, even whenever he's not here. And so much more whenever he was not even there himself. These people were so wrapped around Jim Jones's ideas that they thought that he was protecting them even when he was over in the States. Once more, he also tricked his followers into st- in the states by sending them pictures of fruits from local markets and treating it as if Jonestown had grown it themselves. The worst fact was that Jonestown wasn't very good at growing things yet. I mean, they had just started out by living there. They weren't the best at learning how to be farmers and stuff and being able to have those kind of results very early on like Jim had predicted. 
When Jim moved to Guyana permanently, his followers noticed dark changes around them. People were not allowed to leave without permission from Jim himself. There were many, many nights of white nights. I'll explain more about that in a minute. And Jim's voice was constantly ringing in loudspeakers around the compound. His voice was always in his followers' ears. I mean, they listened to his voice while they slept. I don't think there was anywhere in the compound, even in the working fields, where they ever got away from his voice. Imagine having a voice like that in your ears constantly. I know I would have wanted to run away several times. Now let me just speak a little bit about white knights. Now let's go into what that was. Many times in the life and community of Jim Jones' cult, he did tests of wills with his followers. On one occasion, he told his most trusted followers that he had poisoned their drinks. You see, Jim was a strange man in which he didn't allow his followers to smoke or drink of any kind. So on this one occasion, he invited them all to dinner. He had said, you are allowed to drink. You may drink to your heart's content. And they all drank. I mean, I don't think they drank to their heart's content because they wanted Jim to be proud of them, but they did drink. So, Jim had told them that they had drank poison. Of course, many started to panic and freak out, but eventually they all accepted their fate and welcomed death. Jim told them after that they accepted it, that it was only a will of faith and not real. He did many more of these tests after he moved to Guyana. He would call white knights in the middle of the night and move everyone to a huge pavilion. The followers would do as Jim asked, and it would all just be a test of faith. They had so many of these, though, that it was almost every single night that they would have one. And after the will, the test of faith for the will of faith or whatever you want to call it, Jim would go on these very long and rambling speeches. He would start to preach to his followers about how he knows best and how whenever the time comes, he knows that they will all follow him. I think that would have been really, really annoying to have to get up out of bed and go follow this man to a pavilion and listen to him talk because sometimes he would not stop talking until the next day. I feel like I would have tried to shoot him. Not saying I could have shot him, but I probably would have tried. That just sounds really annoying. Not even that he's a cult leader or anything. That just sounds annoying to me. I don't know why. Just, But Jim Jones would do this thing about every single night to his followers. And pretty soon, this would not be a test anymore. And this was about to become the real thing. It all started with the concern over the welfare of those in the jungle. Family members were worried about their loved ones being trapped and not allowed to leave Jonestown. Many people wrote letters and called a U.S. Congressman, Leo Ryan. Ryan traveled to Guyana with concerned family members to check on the well-being of the cult. Jim made a huge show and party with, while the people were there. Many members said they looked happy and joyful to be there. 
but during the celebration, many followers slipped notes to the congressman and people with him, notes saying they wanted to leave. Ryan was happy to help the members leave and asked even more who wanted to leave. Ryan gathered up the defectors and went straight to the airport. A few small plans, planes to take everyone away from Jonestown. But Jim was not going to let anyone go that easily. While at the planes, guardsmen from Jonestown followed the group and began fire. The congressman and four people were killed and shot. Now it was time for the real white knight. Jim had done something drastic and dangerous, and he knew that he would not survive this. Jim gathered all his followers together and they talked about what was coming while the other members made the drink. Jim opened up the floor for people to ask questions and one woman spoke out for the children, saying they shouldn't have to die and they should be able to live long lives. Jim was able to shoot her down and even got his other followers to shoot her down too. The vats of cyanide Kool-Aid was brought out and the children went first. Now I'm going to do something on this podcast that might be a little bit frightening for everyone. I'm going to play a real voice clip from that moment. It is heartbreaking to listen to because you can hear the children. But... I just want everyone to be forewarned that if you do not want to listen to it, you can skip ahead. Let there be more. You got to move. Are you going to get that medication here? You got to move. Marshall, we've got 40 minutes. To move, and the people that are standing there in the aisle go stay in the radio room yard. But everybody get behind the table and back this way, okay? There's nothing to worry about. Everybody keep calm and try and keep your children calm. And the older children can help love the little children and, and reassure them. crying from pain. It's just a little bitter tasting, but they're, they're not crying out of any pain. Annie McGowan, can I please see you back? That's what I used to do before I came here. So let me tell you about it. It might make a lot of you feel a little more comfortable. Sit down and be quiet, please. And I do hope that those attorneys will stay where they belong and don't come up here. What is it? What is it? Get what? It's hard. It's hard. It's only at first. Only at first is it hard. It's hard only at first. Living, you're looking at death. It's only looks. Living is much, much more difficult. Raised it up every morning and not knowing what's going to be the night's bringing. It's much more difficult. It's much more difficult.
from that small clip, you can hear Jim Jones' wife telling everyone that it doesn't hurt them. It only tastes better. Unfortunately, we know that it did hurt a lot later on from de- from analysis from a forensic team. Older children helped the smaller ones, and when that was done, the adults followed suit. Some were happy to join their children, and some had to be held down and went to drink the death that was poured into their mouth. There are two different theories about how Jim Jones died himself. He was shot in the head, and we know that for sure, but how is unknown. Some believe he shot himself, taking his own life and not following the same way that his followers did, which, for me, just sounds cowardly. You would have all your followers drink this drink that you made just so you should not drink the drink yourself? I think it's because he knew that it would hurt, and he knew that it would be poison. For me, I like to think personally that somebody else shot him before he could go through with his own white knight. And maybe he got some justice for his crimes in the afterlife. There are a few reasons that support my theory on this. For one, the gun was not laid out beside Jim Jones, where it would have been in his reach. Now that could have been for several reasons, because maybe he had shot himself and the gun had flown out of his hand, but also it's from the position of where the bullet was. Anyway, this could not be proven. And I still like to think of my theory as better. There were a few followers who escaped the suicide of Jim Jones and Jonestown. One woman hid under her bed until the next morning. Some hid in the wilderness and hiked for miles and miles and miles. And one man left with the documents and some of the voice clippings like the one we just heard from Jonestown. He had told the guards around Jonestown that he needed to leave and that he needed to show the world what this was and know the truth that happened there. I think the truth of what happened there was tragedy in a horrible circumstance from a madman who had captured the minds of many and I couldn't be more saddened over 900 lives were lost that day I think I'm all done with Kool-Aid for a long while I hope none of you had a visit to a cult during your Thanksgiving week And I hope your members aren't in a cult to begin with themselves. Thank you for listening so much. You can find me on my Instagram at Neverland underline serial killer or on my Snapchat to keep up with my daily life of podcasting at Neverland underscore Kate. Thank you so much for listening and have a killer day.